Identity Crisis The issue behind the current shortcomings within the body of Christ is an identity crisis. Satan didn't attack Adam and Eve's morality, but rather their identity. Satan knew that if he could make them question who they were, their morality would follow the counterfeit identity he led them into. Whether your crisis lies in the revelation of truth or revelation of spirit, it remains an identity crisis. Satan has launched an attack of two identity crises to attack spirit and truth. In this book, I will explore both identity crises in two sections. First, reigniting truth, which deals with your identity in the truth, especially which truths are applicable to that identity. And secondly, reigniting spirit, which deals with the restoration of our identity as sons of God and the revelation of authority that arise with it. While these may seem like simple topics, the depth to be explored will challenge and encourage you. Chapter 1 Reigniting Truth One day in 2009, I ran into my room and landed on my knees. Father, I want to follow you, but there are thousands of denominations out there. Which way? If I'm going to follow you, Lord, I need the truth. I didn't realize at that moment the significance of the prayer, that it would be the defining moment that would change my life. Forever. I was a mere 15 years old and still living with my parents when I prayed that prayer. One week after the prayer, we spontaneously stopped going to the Dutch Reformed Church I grew up in. I wasn't bothered too much that we left because attending church seemed like nothing more than religious duty for just about everyone in the church. Some of my friends asked me why I don't come to church anymore. I didn't exactly know, but I soon found out this was part of a bigger plan and God's answer to my prayer. Shortly after leaving the church, my mother started attending smaller groups of fellowship. She would bring home revelations and teachings that were different from anything I had ever heard in church before. For the first time, the Bible was opened and studied without picking and choosing. We just wanted all of Yeshua, no matter the cost. Surprisingly, it seemed controversial to many, but I was stirred in my spirit that we were standing at the beginning of something more than what we've been taught. Over the next six years, God placed me in small home fellowships where we would intimately discuss Scripture, testing and questioning everything I was taught in church. 
while holding on to what was true. Everywhere I went, from high school through my university career, I found it more and more difficult to be understood by people around me. The ways I studied and even walked out through scripture were offensive to many. They made many people, even those who call themselves Christians, uncomfortable. I was confused. I was merely taking what my Bible said seriously and trying to walk as he walked. But fellow Christians wanted nothing to do with it. The scriptures brought me such an excitement on a weekly basis. When I attempted to share what I read, I frequently found people telling me to watch out. I was surrounded by excuses for why what I was doing was abolished and no longer applicable. When an unbeliever comes to Christ, the natural reaction of most pastors is to direct them to the book of John. Unlike any other book, where we naturally start reading on the first page, new believers are often guided to start in the middle of the Bible instead of the beginning. After all, the beginning is old, right? God knew this would happen, so he inspired John to write these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1 verse 1 If we are honest with ourselves, perhaps we as Christians know very little about the abolished, quote-unquote, Old Testament, the part of the Bible I will be referring to as the Torah, which is simply the Hebrew word for instruction and teaching in the coming pages. People often find this part of the Bible offensive because they haven't paid attention to it. It's foreign to them. But why are we so divorced from these scriptures? I grew up thinking and taught by the church that the Jews are completely deceived and we Christians are perfectly right. End of story. Now, While I definitely agree that the Orthodox Jews aren't right and that they deny Jesus, we really need to ask why we seem to be so different, yet serve the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Where did things go wrong? The Division Around 300 A.D., Constantine professed himself as a believer and the Roman Catholic Church started gaining a great influence over Christianity. This was both a blessing and a curse. The blessing was that the power of the Roman Empire greatly empowered the spreading of the gospel to the ends of the earth. But the curse was that, at the time, the Romans were inherently pagan Since Christianity was exalted as a national religion for the pagan masses, it was thought that all these pagan groups needed accommodation too. The accommodation took the form of changing some of God's Torah, such as the moving of the Sabbath day 
from the seventh day, Saturday, to the first day, Sunday, to let Christians worship on the same day as the sun god worshippers. It is no coincidence that most of pagan sun god worship was on Sundays. Additionally, God's feast days were labeled as Jewish, quote-unquote, and abandoned, and other pagan feast days such as Christmas and Easter instead of the biblical Passover, neither of which is in the word of God, were adopted. This mixing with the nations is nothing new. We read it in the journey of Israel through the Exodus. God continually urges his people to be set apart or holy, to look different from the world, to not mix with them, and above all, to not worship him in the way that the pagans worship their gods. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. For they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Deuteronomy 12 verse 31 To refuse this set-apartness that God expects of his bride is rebellion against God. This initial rebellion turns into ignorance in the coming generations, and today we are born into that ignorance. We are so far removed from God's ways that we regard his instructions as a strange thing. I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were regarded as a strange thing. Hosea 8 verse 12 Right after Yeshua ascended into heaven, the Gentiles coming into the faith met together weekly and celebrated the feasts in unity. This is not shocking, since Yeshua himself urged his disciples and followers to go listen to the Torah teachers and do whatever they say while on the seat of Moses. Then spake Jesus to the multitude, and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. Matthew 23 verse 1 to 3 For Moses of all time has in every city them that preached him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Acts 15 verse 21 Once a teacher sat in the seat of Moses, he was not allowed to read anything other than that which was written in the Torah and prophets. This unity between the Jew and non-Jew was clearly upsetting and a threat to Satan's kingdom. He came to destroy this unity by introducing doctrines of demons as well as persecution to separate the two groups. The normal synagogue meetings on Sabbath, which included both Jews and non-Jews, were disrupted when the Sabbath was changed 
by the Roman Church to the first day. Many Jews were forced to convert to the Roman belief, and in the coming ages, many were even killed if they refused. This caused a great divide and tension between the two groups. Since the Jewish believers are thousands of years ahead in terms of revelation of the Torah, this has been a great issue. Christianity was left with nothing more in their understanding than what we know today as the New Testament. For many of us, not much seems wrong with that picture. But we need to understand Yeshua is the Word made flesh that John talked about. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1 verse 14 What Word was made flesh? No word of God existed when John wrote that verse other than the Torah and prophets. Therefore, Yeshua, the way, the truth, and the life, is the walking Torah or teaching. In other words, the Torah, if followed as Yeshua walked it out, is the way that brings truth and life. This is amplified through the psalmist. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy Torah is the truth. Psalm 119, verse 142. We also know that Yeshua, the walking teaching of God, is the rock and foundation. Psalm 118, verse 22. Why don't we hear this in church? Most of us grew up starting with the New Testament. We didn't build our foundation on the rock. When we don't start with the Torah, we struggle to understand the New Testament correctly, especially the writings of Paul, who was a scholar and very literate in the Torah. When someone who has barely read through the Torah reads Paul's writings, miscommunication is a guarantee. We cannot expect to start in the middle of the most important book in all of history and expect to understand it. The worst case scenario is that we think we understand it, when in reality we don't. This is exactly what has happened in many cases. The enemy is still at work today, just as hard as he was right after Yeshua ascended. His plan is not over, and today we are at the tipping point of that plan, the great falling away. 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 1 through 3 Many are expecting some extraterrestrial visitation or men with great signs and wonders And that may come to pass, but I would like to submit to you that few will find the narrow path and this great falling away will not be obvious or easy to discern, except by those who have built their house on the rock.
Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Matthew 7 verse 24 So what is the rock? We know Yeshua himself, the walking Torah or teaching, is the rock. But we need to understand that unless we build our house on the foundation of the front of our book, these sayings, as mentioned in Matthew 7 verse 24, our house will not stand when the storm hits. About a year ago, a storm approached our farm here in the Karoo in South Africa. And the father said, P.D., a storm is coming. This storm will come in my lifetime, and you will become either an observer or partaker of that storm. You will either be on the sidelines, witnessing the largest battle in history between God's and Satan's kingdom, or you will be fighting alongside the kingdom of God. This battle has been ongoing since Yeshua walked this earth, but has been a mere breeze in comparison to what is coming. This book aims to equip you in walking as Yeshua walked, in both spirit and truth, to ensure your participation in that storm. For those who merely observe will not stand a chance and be swept away swiftly by every wind of demonic doctrine, doctrine that will deceive even the elect if they don't prepare.